Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Matt Chenard. Matt is joining us from Camaros, Alberta, Canada. Uh, he is a really cool dude. He owns multiple businesses. One is a health and fitness uh, gym, Greater Purpose Health and Fitness. He's been running that for close to eight years. Uh, he has a uh, business called Movement Resolution. And this one I get kind of excited about. This is a um, rehab, prehab source for gym owners um, to help clients between physical therapists and uh, strength and conditioning their strength and conditioning coaching. So a really nice little transitional tool for coaches. Uh, and then his personal brand is the purpose shift. And uh, his purpose statement is to help people live with purpose, pursue their passions and share their gifts. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Scott. Looking forward to it. Yeah. It's, uh, so honestly, <clears throat> I could run right out of gates with some of the things I read here because I have a lot to ask and I'm really excited to ask about that. But um, let's talk about just you a little bit. You're married. You live up in the great white North um, yep. and it's extremely cold. <laughs> yeah. It's been minus 40 Celsius um, with wind chill. It got to minus 50 Celsius, which I think is like around, I think at some point Fahrenheit and Celsius are almost the exact same. So probably around minus 40 Fahrenheit. That's crazy. It's yeah. so I'm in Texas. So definitely different world. It is um, 25 degrees and it's about 19, um, like the like what it feels like right now. And we right. don't even know what to do with ourselves. Like we feel like we go outside, we're going to die. Um, there was a hundred car plus pile up yesterday. We just don't handle this. I mean, people were dying. It was horrible, but um, we just don't handle this. So I love talking to people, right. completely different climate extremes. Uh, can you even go outside for very long in that? temperature? Well, yeah, you have to have the right, um, I'll call it equipment. You have to have the right equipment on the right, uh, attire. Um, but not very long. Uh, if, as long as you have your feet and your hands really warm, I mean, those are the ones that have less blood flow, but your face gets, it's like constant stinging on your face. And when the wind picks up, it just feels like little needles everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, so <laughs> curiosity because I've been getting cold. I've been looking at all these, uh, these gloves and things that you can charge these USB chargeable oh. things and the heat goes through them and they have like this long battery life. And then you just USB plug them in. You guys don't use those. I th I'm sure they have them. Yeah. Um, I just haven't looked into them. I, we, I don't know if you guys have block heaters. I don't there. So basic. Yeah. So you plug your vehicle in so your battery doesn't freeze. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. A necessity. Another thing, so just creeping a little bit over the last few weeks, I noticed a little, uh, fat biking action going on. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I, you may or may not know this. I, I owned a bike shop for five years. Mountain biking was oh. literally my life. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that because my identity was wrapped up in that. I'm sure you have something to say about that, but let's talk about yep. fat biking because you have these, yep. I mean, how long have you been doing this? Well, my wife and I, we like to go to the mountains. We have a rooftop tent on the back of our truck and we go tenting and then go mountain biking in the summer. So we've done that for probably not the camping itself, but the biking for probably about four years. And then we've seen fat bikes and they're pretty new relative yeah. to mountain biking. Um, and the first time we tried them, we went out when it had just snowed like probably 12 inches or trying to go through and like, this sucks. Like, this is awful. So we didn't revisit it for two years. And then we found out you have to ride on groomed trails. So when you ride on groomed trails, it's not that much different. It's actually really fun because the snow compacts in the, all the grooves and you're just like, I don't know, like a slip and slide for without sliding too much <laughs> for a bike. That's incredible. So super fat tires. I mean, I'm very aware yep. of the, the technology. So in the early 2000s, late 90s, I was mountain biking a ton in New England. And the winter, okay. get, you know, we'd get some pretty good snow. And for, at that time, we're like, we got to get the skinniest tires possible, put some screws in the tread. And we would go mountain biking for hours in the snow, but it was 
again. I mean, we were trying to cut through the snow. Yeah, of staying on streamline it. Yeah, which probably wasn't the best, but that was what everybody knew back then. So that yep. biking looks very intriguing. Um, yeah, pretty heavy rolling mass, but you know you are on snow and you're still getting out there. So yeah, it's a really good workout. You have to lower the psi so you don't slide out too much. Yep. But yep, it's different but the same. So not full suspension because you have such a lot of. A lot of suspension. Well, they, yeah, they, they do make full suspension, but the tires are so beefy. Like if you let the PSI out, it's like suspension anyway. And, and you're not taking it off any jumps or yeah, <laughs> kickers right, like that. Right. Well, Maybe. I probably, I could, I could talk about mountain biking with you, uh, forever. Um, it's not a, it's not a sport I actually currently am involved in. And it's more of a, uh, the, the local scene here <laughs> is nasty it's horrible it is not biking culture it's it's racing culture and if you slow somebody oh. down you get yelled at i've seen people punch people i've seen a guy really? um run a kid off the trail and sit, sit there for five minutes screaming at him while there's a few of us trying to like you know hold him down like a kid a little kid so it's not a fun and thing in this area it's just too competitive um they, they're wrapped up with their identity, maybe. Exactly, exactly. They're they're all using their Strava. They're trying to beat everybody else's time. Everything is a race. And I love that stuff about mountain biking, but not when it controls the, yeah. the old overall mode. So you've been mountain biking for years then? Yeah, I mean, we grew up on an acreage um, and we would just drive up and down the flat gravel roads. So that would be the start of my mountain biking. And then... I picked it back up once probably four years ago and my wife and I really enjoy it. It's one of our passions. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I started in 1986. If that gives you any, with, a, with, I, yeah, I'll have to ask you some tips. Yeah. <laughs> um, right on. So owning a gym, you've owned a gym for eight years. Is that you and your wife share that? Or is that a, a joint venture in partner? You do that alone. I, I just recently bought out my business partner uh, this past year during during everything that's going on. So there's a lot of learning uh, to go through that and gym closures. So I, I grew a lot and that's what I'm cho choosing to use it as. It's a, a really good growth opportunity. Um, so yeah, I had a business partner for seven, well, six, six or seven years. And now I'm the sole owner. My wife is also a registered nurse and she's our head nutrition coach and manager. So she's really busy. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of, we're very different. My wife and I, it's, I'm very abstract and she's very concrete, right? When she gets stuff done, her work ethic is amazing. And I like to talk and I like to use my whiteboard back there and just draw things and think like, what would this mean for us 20 years from now? Where Jalisa, who's my wife would look more as what does this mean right now? Like, what do we have to do right now? Worry about today. Um, so that's been a really good growing experience and starting to learn that. And even with my team, like learning that not everyone thinks the same. Like we always, I think we start to assume that everyone sees the world in the same way as us. Um, but as we go along and you start to converse more and learn more about people's gifts and how they interact with the world, you notice that's not, that's not actually true. Uh, yeah. 25 years married to my wife and we are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a vision. She says I'm a visionary. Like I see things I want, you know, I see the, the future. I want to move in that direction. I, I take action pretty quickly. She's very abstract sequential or, or concrete sequential. She's very, um, type a, she's a physical therapist, yep. but she's, um, so, so it's been pretty incredible. The 25 years we've lived together, bringing those two things together, understanding that, the way she operates isn't wrong. It actually fills the gaps for me yeah. and vice versa. It sounds like you guys yeah. are kind of working into that. How long have you been married? Uh, this, oh, shoot. This is our eighth year, <laughs> All right, I believe. I put you oh, once, Jaleesa. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go work backwards 2012. Yeah. We got married in May in 2012. I know that. But yeah, we sound very similar. Um, I'm a very, very, very much a visionary. And my wife would be very concrete. So you said something that um, you said something that really struck me earlier because when we first talked, uh, identity came up, and this is a 
big deal. This is a, if you listen to any of the Brotherhood of Father con, um, podcasts, you'll hear this come up over and over again. And so, um, you know, you had you had these brands wrapped around um, purpose, and so I I identify identity and purpose and vision and you know those things really kind of intertwined together. And um, uh, I just, I want to kind of un, unfold this because you talked about, you know, the, the growth that you've gone through. The Brotherhood actually was developed out of my own personal growth and striving to um, find my identity in really like who I am, not what I do. Because I really yeah. got wrapped up in what I do and, and um, it really misguided my life. So what got you so into, you know, having, you know, wanting to help people with their purpose and help them pursue their passions. Like, like, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I, I played competitive hockey most of my life. Um, and the hockey scene can be a pretty impactful place, good and bad. Um, I think sometimes more in the, the negative sense, especially because young athletes start to develop an identity that they are what they're doing, right? Like if this thing gets taken away, if they get a career ending injury, they enter into this identity crisis, or if they don't make it to the show or they don't go to the NHL or they don't play competitive hockey, then, then what do I do? Because especially in Canada, and I'm sure it's in the States too, we're grooming young athletes, young people to identify like, as something they do and not who they are, right? And I think that's a really dangerous thing um, because I, I'm continually trying to understand who I am. And, but if we don't know who we are and we start to go into these things, like it doesn't even have to be sports. It doesn't even have to be, like it can be a relationships. It can be with money. It can be with anything. As soon as we're not internally connected to who we're created to be and try to develop that, um, you're pretty vulnerable to being thrown around. And if you lose something, like if you lose the ability to, let's say in your case, mountain bike, that could be detrimental. Like that could put you in a downward spiral because most likely if that's what you identify with, you haven't put work into other aspects of your life. Um, because everything we have is mo well, it's all finite, right? Relationships, things, money, businesses. Um, and that's why like Mike Michalowicz, he's an author. He, he said this, he's like, I like to call myself a business steward, right? Like, and I think we can take that into a lot of different aspects is we're simply a, a steward of our gifts. We're a steward of what we've been given our relationships, our businesses, um, there's not ours to keep and we can be grateful and they can give us joy. But if we are dependent on them for who we are and for our joy, I think that's a really dangerous game. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, resounding, resounding. And it's, it's, um, a recurring theme over and over and over again. One of my, my, um, goals with the brotherhood is to expediate younger men, even middle age, through the process of because I would say, I would say almost all of them, if not all of them, um, we all go through a place where we we place our purpose on what we do. Like I mean, yeah. it's 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 like when I when I shut my bike shop down, I literally went into a massive depression because I had no, I felt like I had no identity. I was a father. I was a husband. I was all these things. And I still couldn't claw my way out of, I no longer am the bike shop owner. And it's an extremely dangerous place to be. So when did you, I mean, you, you talked about hockey is did it was something happening there where you identified this pattern or uh, you had your own mind shift or your own origin to thinking through this? Um, well, for myself personally, I would have been more fear-based. Like I, I hate public, I hated public speaking. I really disliked it. I'll say, um, it would make me panic or I, 
what actually limited me in going further, I know it sounds like a sob story, like I could have gone further in my sport. Um, but it, in reality, it was this fear of making mistakes. Um, so I think sometimes that the contrast is what we have to lean into. So I've committed over this last while, honestly, just this past year into leaning into things that make me more fearful and growing in those things. So that's kind of how personally I have seen that. And I, I like to think I'm pretty observant. I'm very empathetic and sometimes that makes it hard for me. Um, but I observe people and I observe how ideas connect ideas and people to people and ideas to people and universal principles, concepts, like all that fun stuff that when I talk with my wife about, she just kind of rolls her eyes and like, I don't want to talk about this, but that's what I've noticed is most of the time. And you're saying it too, is when you left your bike shop, you entered into this depressed state, but now you're using that and that's giving you a sense of purpose to help people through that. So I think oftentimes our pain can be used for good, not even oftentimes, but a lot of times. So this, this next part is really why I've noticed that. So my wife, Jaleesa, and she's staring, sharing the story so I can share it too. Right when we first got married, um, well, in the midst of us being engaged, I was away. She started to uh, become addicted to exercise and entered into like an eating, eating disorder. Like, and it carried on into our marriage. Um, I don't know exactly how long, but it, it uh, and we're still working through it today, right? It's, it's going to be a long time. Um, but what I saw is that there is attachment to outwardly looking a certain way or outwardly not knowing who we are. And I'm, I'm not trying to speak as if I'm perfect because I struggle with that every single day. I'm developing that. But she, she got through this process and she, she beat it. And she only told me this past year that most people actually die from it eventually. Like it, it's really crippling. And I didn't know that. And she was getting closer to that. Like her heart rate was going down, blood pressure, all these things. Um, but now going back to my mission statement, I think these can be gifts to us too, right? Like, so now she's sharing it more and more. She's gaining confidence in knowing that that's important to share, uh, especially with young ladies, right? Like when you've gone through something like that, it gives you authority. Absolutely. And that's what most of my businesses are based around is things I've gone through. Like I, had a really bad back injury. And that is essentially what moving resolution is, is not having to get surgery or go to the doctor. Um, so if we can create things to help other people's and live in this servanthood um, space, I think that's when things are successful and they last. You mentioned, you know, what you experienced create has created your businesses. It's the same. It's the same with me. It's funny. I was struggling because I wanted a business really bad this is a weird story, but I wanted a business really bad. I just didn't know what it was. And it wasn't until I just stepped into being okay, operating in the things and, and trusting the process that the business like came up and slapped me in the face because I had to find a solution for my own problem. Like, wait a minute. So, um, yeah. I have, I have so many things to ask about what you just said. Oh, cool. Um, so I guess it's maybe not a question. It's, it's an agreement is I feel like, and I'd like to hear your, your, um, your response. I feel like we, it is our, it, it, it is our role. It is our calling. It should be a calling. If you have gone through something to help others come through that as well. I, I feel like it's a wasting a gift if you don't. Yes. And like your yeah. wife being open and sharing that is like, now she is absolutely giving the gift and, you know, you going through the, your injury and you're giving this gift. I think it's just, I think that's a, a purpose that is so deep. I mean, it's so ingrained when you see that, wait, I had all this pain, all this anguish, all this turmoil. 
and I'm not the only one. And I think a lot of times, especially men, we think we're the only ones struggling with something. And if we really lift our head out of the sand and really get vulnerable with other men, you'll find out that you have a ton to offer them because they're going through it silently. Yep. 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the last thing you touched on is men being more vulnerable and, and understanding that they need help too. Um, but you can't ask for help if you don't know who you are either, right? If you're constantly pursuing these things, I think you touched on something earlier, like when you pursue, I like to think as purpose as who you are and what you do and not what you do. So instead of saying, this is my job, this is my relationship, it's simply a platform to live with purpose, to use your gifts, to start to develop these core values of a person you want to be to the world. Um, But oftentimes we start to pursue what is a byproduct so what I mean by that is we are, we're always pursuing these things, these shiny things, um, money, and we want to do this career. We want to start this business because it makes a lot of money or it's someone else's purpose, right? It's what gives them purpose, but we're chasing the byproduct. We're not chasing why we should do it. So I just found out this year, I love doing this. I love podcasting. I love sitting down with people and talking about these concepts And if I can do it for free, I will. Um, But then I notice that money starts to follow that, but you're not dependent on that. So you have to know who you are with or without before you really step into something. Like I have to know I'm okay with losing. Well, it sounds bad, but I have to be okay with losing my wife, with losing everything. Because if I'm not okay with that, and I'm faith-based, right? So I have to know that this is a finite life. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. So why chase something that is going to give me momentary happiness when that purpose is where the fulfillment and joy actually is? Yeah. You just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I don't know what you're calling, but you just gave me goosebumps because I've had two podcasts in a row um, or, or, or a few podcasts where our 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 short time on this earth was a major con um, a major topic. Um, one with Jeff Giosi who finished, I was just telling, telling you this, Matt, he finished the podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it's, it's not great audio, but um, Jeff Giosi, the last thing he talked about was how he wanted to die. And the fact that he was building a legacy for his kids and he was, he was taking these, these actions to make sure that they, had him always, even though he wouldn't always be here. And he just, he just passed away suddenly, um, in the way he wanted to, (laughs) um, in, in my, in my opinion, uh, a few weeks ago, he was a phenomenal human, but I've had the opportunity to talk to his wife since. And I, what you just talked about is like her identity was not in her husband. She loved her husband tremendously, but they had already had these discussions and already gone through what you're talking about and um, talk about raising kids in a situation that could be incredibly difficult. But I imagine those kids are going to be like ridiculous, resilient and super well-grounded because he set that thing. He set that, that standard for him and his boys and his wife. I'm not going to be here always and let's live today he actually had a saying yes and then i i had a com- conversation with scott carpenter that just posted and he, he talked a lot about like hey i don't know when i'm gonna die but i'm gonna live like i'm gonna die tomorrow and i just yeah. i've been thinking so much about that and then you have on your whiteboard behind you it's the first thing i noticed uh i think it says better than yesterday it's my yes it's my wife's saying and she does videos oh same she says it every single time she does a video it's it is her like and i just love that and I think um, we have to have those conversations and be prepared. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not talking about them is not going to take it away. Right. Like that's what we're guaranteed. We're all guaranteed we're going to die. And it sounds bad. Like no one wants to talk about it, but it gives you perspective. It, it enables us to be grateful for the moment, but live for the legacy. Yeah. Right. We're, we're, 
not so much in the future where I can get caught up into um, that we can't appreciate what we have here and now. We're not chasing things, but we also know that what we do here and now today is going to affect our tomorrow when we're gone because really all we're left with is how we impacted people. That's all we're left with. Oh yeah. Uh, the other day I was working um, just nonstop phone calls, just nonstop. And I came out for dinner. I hadn't had lunch. I hadn't been able to get out of my office except for to use the restroom back in. And it was, I, I, that, that makes me exhausted. So I came out mm-hmm. for dinner and it I was grumpy and horrible. And my mind went back to like, tomorrow may not happen building this business and working full time and, and meeting the needs of a lot of people. Those are important, but I'm not going to let anything that I'm working on for the future mess up today. It's given me such an incredible perspective and like an incredibly tighter everyday connection with my boys. And um, it's just been, it's been a gift uh, to see other men and hear other men talk about that. And I love your perspective. Um, so you smirked a little bit when I read better than yesterday. Is that been a theme in, for you for a long time? I, I read it somewhere and I just like, I got to put that up there because we're guaranteed hardships, right? Like things are going to come up. Um, we can't get caught on that because there's going to be another thing tomorrow, another thing tomorrow. So my theme word for the year is discomfort. And to me, that means doing the hard things, um, being just slightly better than yesterday. I don't have to be perfect, right? On below my whiteboard, I have a piece of paper that has six core values. I couldn't narrow it down to five. I know five is better, but I was like, I'm taking six. I don't care. Um, That I'm going to pursue to be closer to that than yesterday. So as an example, one of his to seek adventure and opportunity, to be an example of God's love, to um, spread joy and laughter often, to make a positive impact with each interaction, right? And trying to memorize these things. So then I take those, my purpose statement and my gifts, and I start thinking about how can I be better than yesterday? I don't have to be perfect because it's not attainable. But if I continue to commit 365, I'm not going to pretend to do a bunch of math here, but you're going to be better. Like you're going to be vastly different than you were last year. Um, And especially right now, people are getting so fixated on what they can't do or basically what's going to happen is they're going to notice that they were standing still, right? They're focusing on what they couldn't control instead of saying, what can I control where can I shift my perspective? Like we've been closed for five of 12 months in the gym. If I just sat there and got so mad about it, I would miss the opportunity to develop my staff or create better systems, right? It's, there's always an opportunity. You have to look like that. Like, it doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean that I haven't had days where I'm like, oh man, this is too much, but it's not up to me, right? It's just up to me to take another step towards better than yesterday. I wrote a post I don't know, a couple of weeks ago about 2020 and new year's resolutions and all that garbage. Mm. And, um, and the differentiator, I've spoke to a lot of people differentiator between 2020 for people like um, me and you is we used as an opportunity to grow and I'm not lifting myself up. I mean, there was no tough days, but I took this as like, this is just more challenge in which I can, um, expediate my own personal growth. It's just more things that are putting, helping me put things into practice. And then two years ago, I listened to podcasts and the guy said, stop, stop trying to do everything at once. We just Mm -hmm. need to like, it's kind of the top, the atomic habits type thing It's like small steps and dude, that better than that better than yesterday type of mentality will get you so far. It's the same with nutrition. You know, it, you, you can have a yep. bad day. It's fine. It's not going to mess you up, but we just got to keep um, moving in the right direction. <clears throat> okay. But I have to go back to something yep. about your word being discomfort. The um, I always do a, year, a word for the year. I, I got a book. I read a book about it. And ever since then, I've just felt like it was downloaded in me. 
I, it, like it, I never am thinking about it. I don't know if this is a process for you. I'm never thinking about, about it, but it'll just come. And I'm like, Whoa, like, yeah. and, um, discomfort's a great one. And so I, um, I saw a post you did and you said, I don't like yeah. doing selfies. I don't do pictures of myself. I want to talk yeah. about that because I, 2020 and up to recently, I was doing a lot of pictures of myself because I'd finally became okay with the person I am outwardly because I was okay with the person I was inwardly. Like, Hey, if this, this is my journey. And for me, it's almost a way of me saying it makes me uncomfortable to share pictures of myself. I don't love, you know, I'm, I haven't always been in love with my my stature or anything, but this, I am, I am proud of who I am because who I am isn't what I look like. And so mm-hmm. when you posted your, your, um, your, your selfie, I felt like first, shame like, of selfie. Yeah. First of all, I would, I felt a little shame in that I had done so many, but then it made me reflect of why I was doing that. It was very intentional. Yeah. And, um, and then I thought, well, I hope people don't see this as selfishness. This is me. Um, uh, this is who I am. Well, and I think what you said at the end is exactly why I did that. So if you go back to when I was playing hockey, I didn't want to make mistakes. I didn't want people to talk about me because I had done something, right? So if I take a selfie, my mind can go to, well, what's someone going to say? Why would he do that? Like, that's very, I don't know. It seems very, I'm missing the word right now, but narcissistic or whatever else, right? Like I play the story in my head, but then what I started to notice is it doesn't matter. It, if you know who you are, if you're built in your character, it doesn't matter, right? Like it doesn't mean it's not going to impact you. It doesn't mean that it wouldn't be hurtful if someone said something to me, but the more I commit to being uncomfortable, the more I notice that's actually where the comfort is, right? Like the more you do stuff like that, something that bugged me last year, like it was so hard for me to even type out a message and put it on social media. Like I had to have my wife edit it for two weeks and then I rarely posted it. And I was like, no, this is, this is so dumb. So one day I was just like, I'm going to type it. I'm going to post it. I'm going to keep doing it day after day after day. Um, and then I got better at writing. I'm not perfect, but I'm getting better because through the process, through pushing your threshold of comfort is where that comfort lies because what was once uncomfortable will now be very comfortable. And when I talk about discomfort, so I like to do ice baths. I try to take a cold shower every day. I try to do these things that obviously people see as uncomfortable, but we don't often associate discomfort with apologizing to our wife first, to admitting when we're wrong, to saying, I'm weak here. I need your help. Like that is super uncomfortable. I think that takes way more courage than people pounding themselves and just like, or hammering themselves in a workout um, or outwardly looking like they're being tough and they're doing things. And that's not to say you can't have a hard work or you can't sit in an ice bath, but that's not why we should do it. It's to gain a better understanding of ourselves, to grow as a person. Because when you look at it, when you start to hear successful people talk, whatever that means, they just have a different mindset. They've committed to growth. They committed to doing it different than the world is telling them to do it. And they, they broke free essentially. My mind is reeling. So uh, this week I was on with a, um, a coach that I have for, um, the first round was all about story work and refining the words that we say to ourselves. We say out loud, the second level of certification is um, being okay, celebrating the things that we do well. And I was talking with him. This would probably mortify you. I was talking with him. He was recording it and he, he was, we were going through wins and talking about all these things. Well, for me, um, over the last two years through, through somebody helping me, I have developed very defined processes and I call personal system where I don't, I have more cognitive space than I've never had ever had before. I'm more productive than I've ever been before my day. At the end of the day, I know exactly what's happened 
I have a way of capturing and making sure nothing ever gets missed. Um, except for that meeting I had with you the other day. And that's why I was like, I thought of, <laughs> I already forgot about it. Right? I thought I was going to pass out. Um, but so he's asking me all these questions and, I, and during this call, he's like, okay, um, get on Facebook or, or Instagram. I'm like, okay. I'm like, do we have time for this? Cause we're recording. He's like, yep. He's like, um, write down, um, productivity hacks. I was like, okay. He's like, you're, you're going to do a workshop. I'm like, I am. He's like, you're going to do a workshop. What day do you want to do it? He made me call the day, the time. And he made me make that post while I was on the phone with him. So I have this production productivity uh, workshop coming up. I saw it. And so uncomfortable. And I've also done other posts where I'm talking about things that I'm good at because I'm really focusing on being proud of those things I'm good at. I always have room for growth and it's, and there's a fine line between, um, cocky or, you know, I'm the best. That's never it. It's this, okay, I am good at this and I have a lot to offer a lot of people. And what you're doing with this, with, with purpose, helping people find their purpose, um, it has to be shared. It has to be Mm. done. It is, it is a very high calling. I mean, it just, just like, I feel like helping people with productivity is an incredibly high calling because people waste so much time and energy on the wrong things. Um, so I just, like, I just get fired up and I, I love mountains. I love mountain biking. So I'm like, I'm already trying to figure out. So when do you think hundred percent where you're going? When, when do you think, well, are you sure? I'm like, when do you think that the, the, um, borders are going to open up? <laughs> and then we could do like a conference in the mountains. So you actually have said something about this. I'm actually 100% on board with a brotherhood twist too, as well. Um, I also think like a marriage twist would be incredible. Yeah. Um, have, and so you've kind of had this thinking in your mind. What, what, yeah, I, what is that? Let's talk about it. So my big ambition is to have this huge lodge on the side of the mountain somewhere where people can go. They can be at workshops. They can be around like-minded people and start to notice that there's like-minded people, that there's people pursuing something different than all the negativity that's out here and just doing the mindless things day after day. And being on the, in the mountain, right? Like not in the mountain, but on the mountain, you, you're with nature, right? It's healing. Um, you get space away from like we talked about before in the end, doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter. And in the same breath, it all matters. Uh, I think Matthew McConaughey said that none of it matters, but it all matters, which is really liberating and it, it, it's freeing. So and I think we mentioned this before that sometimes I have 10 different ideas as I'm saying one sentence, but I'm doing my best to draw them back in. So this is, this is what I want to do. This is, I guess it would be the embodiment of what I see people needing. Like I can do it on one-on-one calls. I could do it when I write a book, I can do it these different ways, but being able to help someone touch and feel it and see that and disconnect them from all these voices on social media, their negative friend groups, their jobs that are stealing their life. And so I also help people with time investing, which is essentially what you're talking about too, is optimizing their time. So they actually invest their uh, most valued asset or currency in things that actually matter in the end. Because how many times do we have to hear someone on their deathbed saying, I wish I spent more time here. I wish I did this. I did this. And we don't listen to it. We, we think we have it figured out by chasing these other things. So that's all to say, I would love to do something like that. Just find a place on the side of the mountain, put a big lodge there, a bunch of cabins, have retreats, corporate events, and help people understand who they are so that they can then go into the world without being defined by it and actually make an impact because they know who they are in character. Yeah. And yeah. You, you like sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things there, right? Um, I think you need some, a lot of money for that. So I'll just keep pursuing that. Right. Right. I, and it's not the beauty of it is um, 
you and I have figured out through probably trial and error that the pursuit of money will not get you there. <laughs> this no. following your purpose and doing um, those things that are really meaningful uh, will. So I know it's going to happen. Um, I'm really excited about it. You talked earlier about vulnerability and uh, mm-hmm. this is something I wanted to, to touch on because I think a lot of men or maybe society um, have, have some issues with vulnerability and, I am a strong believer in masculinity and that it is like part of our DNA is to be masculine. Yep. And I want to scream from the ro- the rooftops is that you don't need to cry. You don't need to do, you know, things that aren't masculine, but being vulnerable is literally a masculine thing. It actually helps you grow. It helps you grow into really being the man you're supposed to be. What is your thought about vulnerability? Because I I think it's a very difficult thing for a lot of men to kind of embrace. Well, yeah, I think if you want to become stagnant, you don't like you, you're not going like if you want to stay exactly where you are and you want to waste time, then don't be vulnerable. Right. But being vulnerable is the direct connecting piece to that joy and fulfillment. Like, cause vulnerability in my mind is connected to love, right? Like, so love is loving someone without expecting anything in return. Even if I'm not fully living into that, I'm not being vulnerable with that. I'm not going to be able to experience love to the fullest because I'm suppressing a little bit because I don't want to get hurt. And that is essentially what vulnerability is, right? You're, you're putting yourself out there. So you might get hurt. Like I'm vulnerable when I post a selfie, I'm vulnerable when I'm the first to apologize to my wife. And there's a chance that someone could say my selfie looked dumb or they noticed that I have fake teeth or uh, from hockey or that it's not received from the person when I apologize, but that's not up to me. That's not up to me to decide. I can't, that that's not love. That's, that's manipulation, right? That's trying to dictate what someone else should do because I'm not confident enough in who I am. So that's where you're right. I think it takes a really strong man to be vulnerable. That means that they are truly comfortable in who they are and in their character, right? And I post a selfie. I know who I am. I know I'm doing it. I don't have to justify it to anyone. Um, but that vulnerability might impact someone in a positive way. And that's the goal as long as it impacts one person, right? And you doing your workshop, I'm sure it's going to impact one person. And even just hearing you say that, I was like, well, now I got to do that. Yeah. I got to just say, this is what I'm doing it. And this is what's going to happen. Yeah. I would highly challenge people to do that because it was incredibly uncomfortable. And the fear of rejection has hit me once since then. It hit me at the beginning. Like no one's going to sign up for this. It's hit me once since then. I'm like, I, you know, if there's two people on this, uh, like, and, and they, they implement one thing. Cause I've had people come back and say, I just, I've just even scratched the surface with how to kind of implement some, some structure and some ways to kind of get through a day in a much more, um, uh, efficient manner. Uh, they're like, this is life-changing and we've just barely yeah. scratched the surface. And I'm like, okay, if one person shows up, we got to stop weighing everything. And well, it, that's not the point. The point isn't, um, me impacting millions of lives. Would I love to? Heck yeah. Am I going to? Who knows? But I got to start with one. And yeah. um, I, I think that that's the, there's just so much. I would, I would challenge men, if you are really good at something, step out and offer help to others. And um, don't worry about the money. Like, you know, it, it, I'm not worrying about whether this becomes a business or a side hustle or uh, that's not the point. I just want to help people get to that point. The rest comes. The rest, the rest comes with someone, when you really help somebody, they're like, Hey, I'll pay you. I need help. And, and that's when there's pure joy. You're like, wow, this is quite, this is actually a value. And I think you touched on something too, is fear of rejection. And that is why I'm so driven about this is that fear. Like I was living in fear of rejection, of making mistakes, of speaking in part of, in front of other people. And what I'm saying might be wrong, right? Or whatever else that is. And I think fear is the biggest stealer of our time, Mm -hmm. like for sure, hands down. But 
I think it's also a good indicator of something good on the other side, right? Like when you lean into it, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And the more you do, you're going to get rejected. You're going to have haters or whatever else it is. But if you are not sure in who you are, then it's going to really impact you and it's going to stop you in your tracks. But if you are so focused on why you're doing what you're doing, it's going to absolutely bulldoze through that because you're in pursuit of something bigger than someone's opinion. Exactly. There's an, an example of today, um, this week. To, today I'm driving and I work in the fitness industry. I'm, I'm visiting two gyms and they're clients of ours. And then one of the gym owners, ha- and he's, he's in the brotherhood, has offered his brand new tiny home Airbnb for my wife and I for this weekend. So we're trying it out. We're like what an amazing gift, right? But every time we do this, I'm like, am I fit enough to, vi- to visit their gyms? Do I really represent? And I'm like, this today I was like, it doesn't matter. I am who I am. They, they probably like me for the service I've given them and for the attention I've paid to them and the value I've brought to their lives, not how I look. Um, yes, I work out all the time, but this is me. And it, there was like the amount of freedom that I've experienced when I finally kind of got a hold of that is like, I can't even explain it. The, the, the level of freedom is something that I, I don't think I've ever experienced in my life until the last like, mm. year. Um, and a lot of that's come from personal growth, um, really evaluating the language that I use in my head and out loud. And then the stories I've been telling myself for years, like, you know, like from elementary school up, the experiences and the way that I interpreted those and then getting a hold of that and, and fixing it to really see things and, and take personal responsibility, things that you, I, I was victimized for in the past, um, <clears throat> has generated a, an, an immense amount of freedom. But I think I've got all these tools and things in place that I'm using to get there, but I really think it comes down to this purpose. I really think it comes yeah. down to really who we are. I was interviewing... Um, uh, a mentor of mine, his name is Rick Loy. And he, he said for him, it, it's, it's definitely spiritual. He says, it's not a who I am. It's whose I am. So he, his purpose mm-hmm. is, yep. is, is grounded in his faith. I feel that way as well, but same. it's something really, it was like a truck hit me at that moment. I was such an impactful saying, I'm like, I've been looking at this so wrong. And I was on my, my, identity journey well past that point where I was wrapped up in these things, but it took me to the next level. So um, I don't know why I shared that. I just think people need to hear that over and over and over again, is that there's so much freedom on the other side of, um, yeah. of this identity thing. And I think <clears throat> sometimes words don't hit us until the right time, right? Like I'm faith-based. I, my identity is in Christ. Like that's, that's, m- my purpose, right? Like that. And purpose is such a hard word. It's such a hard thing to define. And that's why I don't know if we'll ever know our whole purpose while we're still alive. Like we won't say this is exactly why I'm here, but it's about who am I showing up as today in my relationship, in my jobs, in a podcast, in these things, that's my pursuit. And I think for me, it was such a hard thing to define and understand until you start to feel it. And it's a hard thing to articulate to people because it is a feeling like you all of a sudden you're like, like you said, it's just like, Oh, the way he said it in the right moment in the right time impacted me. And now I'm holding on to this for the rest of my life. I'm going to share it. And then it's not up to me to tell someone when they should step into that. It's, it's, that's not my duty. All we are called to do is to live and be better than yesterday. And being better than yesterday is not being more famous or making more money. It's to pursue the furthering of refinement of who you are. Yes. <laughs> Just yes. All day long. Yes. Um, I love that you talked about 
like the receiving people aren't always ready to receive the message. And yeah. I had to learn, and I'm, I'm sure you know this too, that it's okay for me to say the same things over and over and yeah. over and over again, because there will be a moment someone might hear the same story I tell or the same scenario or, or, you know, whatever the situation is or a statement, like it's not who, who you are, it's whose you are, that kind of thing. And it, it's our duty to do that because we want it to land in the right time for the right people. Mm. And um, that's the beauty of podcasting. These stories about identity and your purpose, they come up often. They, they come up a yeah. lot. Uh, yeah. And I think we need guide, guides through it. I think yes. we need, here, here, my wife and I are going away this week. And one of the things we're going to look at is our vision. And I, I, I've gone through vivid vision. If you haven't, I highly suggest it. And I, yeah, 100%. Um, but, but honestly, the first thing that came to my mind when I was telling my wife, I want to do this this weekend was I would rather have someone's guidance through it because right now, like we both are, it, it's just, it would be valuable for us to have somebody walk us through that purpose. I mean, through that, that process. And um, because I know the tools, I have the tools, I have the resources, but without putting some investment of, usually money and saying, Hey, yep. I want help here. I know that it's going to be a struggle and it takes a lot of discipline and I'm hoping we get there. But for something like you're doing, have you ever, ha, have you considered couples like working through those things as couples and as families? Cause we want to have a family vision. We want to have it yeah. on the wall and we want to have our core values on the wall. I mean, we just, it's like, that's the, the goal is to get something beautiful made yep. where when you walk in our house, you know what we're about. Yeah. You can see how excited I'm getting. I'm just like, that's exactly what I want to do. And because we do it for businesses, like every good business knows you need a vision. You need mission statements. Like how many people are going to help, how you'd measure at core values. So all the staff are aligned. Why don't we have it as individuals? Why don't couples have that? Like if you can't measure it, if you don't say where you want to go, then you're just gonna be tossed around, like for lack of a better term, like by the waves, right? Like you're gonna just take each day for what it is instead of trying to catch that wind and go towards something. So that is something I want to do, and that's is something I'm working towards. Is how I start it is I create this hierarchy. So I think the bottom of the base is a personal blueprint, personal marriage blueprint, athlete, athlete blueprint, or business blueprint, whatever it is. Inside that blueprint is a theme word. It's a purpose statement. So a purpose statement is something that you will probably never reach in your lifetime, but it's guiding you in how you show up in different platforms in the day. Then you have core values. Core values are like your compass. You, who am I stepping into? What attributes do I admire about other people that I would like to develop myself? And then each day you act as if you already have those things. You're stepping into it like... I'm optimistic and joyful. It doesn't mean I'm not going to feel negativity or fear. No, it just means I'm going to step into this other thing. From there, um, I think it's really important that we have some sort of uh, personality test. So like love languages, uh, the five love languages, um, Enneagram. Uh, I develop my own, the purpose shift gifts. And then from there, you can make goals broken down into quarters as an individual, as a family, in different categories of your life. Because then you know if you're, you're going towards that goal. It doesn't matter as much if you hit it. It matters that you've set a destination point to go towards that. So to answer your question, yes, this is exactly what I want to help people do. And once you have that personal blueprint, then it's time investing. That's the next section. How do you invest your time? And you invest your time more efficiently by knowing what you're good at and being proud of it. Mm -hmm. You need an ego to use your gifts, but then you need to suppress a bit of the ego to say what you need help with and refer out. Um, and then you zone different things in your day, like time amplifiers, time stealers. You start to notice what steals your energy and what gives your energy, what you're really good at. And then from there, you start to invest your time. 
because time compounds, 100% time compounds, money compounds, time compounds. What I choose to do today is going to make a huge difference a year from now. If I choose to scroll social media as I first wake up for a minute, compared to if I read one page of a book, it's going to make a difference. It's going to compound. It's going to make a huge, fast difference. But we don't have the foresight to see that. We become so reactive because we're constantly fighting against these urgent things that come up in our life because we never prioritized the important things two years ago. Yes, yes, yes. And <laughs> the, um, like I, I, I preach, scream it from the, the rooftop. I'm as, I'm as eloquent as I can be. I hated the, the idea of a morning routine. I hated it. I hated people selling me on their morning routine. I thought, and I fought it forever. But once I stepped into it, created my own and mine always, and I've shared this many times, my morning routine is in the order of importance of things in my life. Outside of like bio functions, the very first thing I do is um, it's for me, it's God, my wife, my boys, and then everything else. So the very first thing I do before social media, before, I mean, it's, it's God focused. It's, it's my, then it's my wife. And if that doesn't happen, if she's around and that doesn't happen, there's the whole day is out of whack because I've done this order and it's my kids. And I built out affirmations around these. And I built my entire morning routine is around this. And I tell people, if you don't command your morning, your day will command you. And, and uh, my message to people is like, if you're fighting getting systems and things in place in your life, you're fighting your true potential. You are, you are cutting yourself off from your potential. The, um, I, I'm, I feel so passionate. It sounds like you feel the same way. I feel so passionate about that, that, that it just, I have to share it every time I get, but I also want to be very careful and not say, Hey, my routine's the way to go. Cause that's no, I mean, it took me years to define it, develop it. And I feel like I am in the sweet spot now. Um, but yeah, it took years. Well, and you touched on something that I call like a priority ladder or priority filter. So if you pour, like look at time as water, if you pour it through a filter, what's the first filter? Well, that for me is my faith. Yep. The next filter is my family and friends. Then it's my professional life and then it's my fitness. But it is totally up to me to move fitness above professional life once we're not in a pandemic anymore. Right. Right. You can yeah. move it around. Yeah. There's a few non-negotiables for me. It's, it's my faith in my yes. family. Those yep. are, will always be non-negotiables because I went yep. through years of life where, where um, my, my career was above those two and it wrecked me. And it, and it pulled everybody around me in the same, in the same boat. And so one reason a brotherhood of fatherhood was to get this message out is that yeah. you have a bigger calling than your career. You have a bigger yes. calling than your, your uh, favorite sport or activity or hanging with your bros. And if that's what you put first and you're going to be suffering for a lot of years, probably forever, <laughs> if you don't get it figured out, yep. but everything below those non-negotiables I will put, yep. there's times when, when, when my fitness is above my finances and there's a time when my finances are above it, it, it that ebbs and flows. It's it. And, yep. um, but it's still, I have that foundation. That's not going to be, it's not going to be messed up. And you can really tell what is important to someone, not by words, but by consistent action, mm-hmm. right? Like it's really easy to use words. It's really easy to say, this is really important to me. Well, is it like, do you track it? Do you, do you know how much time you're putting into it? And is it shared with other things? If so, then it isn't. It's just, it's simple, right? You just look at it and say, is it or isn't it? And then that's where self-awareness is really important too, which I think we often lack is the ability to look inside ourselves and be honest and become vulnerable and say, I'm struggling with this, or I need to work on this. Yeah. Frequent reflection. I actually have ways to track how I'm doing in every, in every category. It wasn't intentional. I mean, it was intentional through creating my processes and everything, but I have, I actually know if I hit everything in the day or not. I actually Mm -hmm. know if I'm low on my um, family love score. I mean, I know that sounds so corny, but there's things that I 
intentionally do every day to make sure that's a 10 because it's so incredibly important to me. Um, I, I, I have a feeling you and I are going to be connecting a lot more on this. Yeah. Um, just, it, it's a massive passion for me. I'm still growing in it. And I, I, um, I, I am really behind what you're doing because I think it's an incredible extension of what um, you've gone through, what you've learned and what I'm, I'm learning and have learned and what people need to have in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And it sounds like we'll probably do a course together now too. Yeah. I'm thinking. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, thank you so much for kind of speaking into me and I'm sure some of the audience um, will, will put your details in um, the show notes. People, you don't, you can't be a, you can't be a foreigner to those show notes. They are gold. Those, those links, those things inside of there are the direct connection to these people that we talk to. And um, I, I just really want you to pay attention, open them up in whatever app or whatever you're in. It's on our YouTube channel. It's in our podcast listings. Um, and um, you can always reach out to me and get, get a hold of it because these people, I don't bring people into this podcast lightly. They, they have resources that I think are extremely valuable and they have stories to tell that are life-changing. So thanks so much for being on this with us, Matt. Yeah, it was my pleasure. That was a blast. Well, everybody, you have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from the Brotherhood of Fatherhood.